Hi, this is Derek Pankow of Mythia, software that gives you NFT insider intel on what to look out for next. I'm on the Edge of NFT podcast, the podcast that we love for getting you the latest intel, fun, and adventure in NFTs. Keep listening. Hey, all you NFT curious listeners. Check out today's episode and find out how Mythia NFT is changing the game for NFT intel. How the Silicon Valley attitude to Web3 is evolving rapidly. And how so many of our guests want to go to space that Mars might be getting crowded soon. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. And remember, NFTLA is coming up March 28th to the 30th. It will be an unforgettable experience featuring the creme de la creme in the NFT space. Head on over to nftla.live to get your tickets as early as possible for the best pricing. And if you or someone you know wants to partner with us to co-create this special unforgettable experience, there are still opportunities to get involved. They're also going fast. So please reach out at contact at edgeofnft.com. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored Spotlight episode features Derek Pankow co-founder of Mythia, which grants users exclusive access to custom software, insider intel on what NFT whales are doing, and whitelist concierge service. Derek is a serial entrepreneur who, prior to Mythia, founded an e-commerce company generating 100000 plus per month of recurring revenue. After that experience, he learned to code, built several crypto trading bots, and raised venture funding for a computer vision startup he founded. That all sounds really great, Derek. It's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. It's great to be here. Awesome. That's great. And Derek, where are you calling in from, man? I'm in San Francisco. SF, right on. Okay, how's the weather out there right now? It's medium. It's foggy. It's always foggy, basically. It's foggy. Yeah, the fog is there. Josh is out in Venice, down in Venice, I should say. Ethan's in Chi-Town, and I'm down in Sarasota, Florida. Yeah, awesome. I've got the most snow here. I'm sure you're all jealous of that. Yeah, not so much on this end. <laughs> but let's hop in here, Derek. We like to start a lot of our shows at the beginning in some way or another. Let's just get started asking you, how did the idea uh, for Mythia form? And how did you actually bring that into reality after the idea came to be? Yeah, so I'd been interested in crypto since 2016, before the first crazy ICO rush. And I got involved, built a few crypto trading bots, was involved with a couple of projects, and then as you guys know, the market completely crashed and everything was just dead for like two, three years. During that time, I kind of switched into traditional fintech and I built a company that was, we were creating a rewards card for video games. Instead of airline miles, you get money inside of Fortnite, inside of League of Legends. We launched the product and it didn't go that well. Now we were, we were taking that concept and switching it in, into crypto where you know, we wanted to create a credit card that appealed to the top 1% of NFT holders and included in that was a lot of the benefits we're talking about today, the, the custom software tools, the Intel aggregation. And as we were talking to people in the industry, people just did not care about the credit card at all. And they just cared about these digital pieces. And so we just got rid of the credit card and then just focused really on the benefits that give people an edge in the markets alpha, so to speak. 
spoken like a true lean startup guy that did some legit customer discovery. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. If you were going to describe Mythia to somebody that's completely unfamiliar with it, how would you describe it? Yeah. So there's three core elements to the Mythia NFT. Number one is Intel aggregation. Number two is software tools, including an iPhone app. And number three is a profile picture. So starting from the top with Intel aggregation, in crypto, there's a lot of private communities where people share Intel alpha. And in order to get into those communities, a lot of the times you have to have a very expensive NFT. These can cost $50,000, $100,000 plus. And even if you had all of these NFTs, you would still have to spend hours every day reading hundreds and hundreds of messages to understand what's going on. In our Intel aggregation service, what we do is we buy all these NFTs and we have all of them. And then we read through all those Discord messages for you and we send you one email a day and have one podcast a day that aggregates all of the Intel in the top communities so that you can act upon that Intel. So that's the first So you benefit. just send them the Edge of NFT podcast and that gives them everything they need to know. Is that exactly how it works? Okay. Right. Exactly. That's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. no. It's a little bit of a cheat, but I guess yeah, I guess if it works for you. <laughs> yeah. So, so you you've acquired all these NFTs? We have some of them and we'll acquire the rest after the mint. Because sometimes like you need to have the NFT to get the alpha, right? You have to go past that gate. So that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the first benefit. The second benefit is software tools. These are tools that we, we've built two of them. We're actually going to build a third before we do our mint. And then in the future, the tools that we build will be driven by the community. So it'll be a DAO-like structure where you can vote on which tools you want our Silicon Valley-based team to build next. The two tools we've already built is number one, a real-time mint tracker. So we monitor the Ethereum blockchain to see what smart contracts are consuming gas. And then if something is consuming a lot of gas and is an NFT mint contract, we let you know so that you can jump on the mint if there's room because it's likely going to sell out and it'll likely trade above four. Number two is a upcoming mint momentum tracker where we track the growth of Twitter and Discord followers for upcoming projects. So you can see which ones are breaking out. And the tool that we're releasing next week is a underpriced rares tool where let's say you're trying to buy a mutant ape and it's priced, the floor is at about 15 ETH. Instead of just buying one at floor, you can buy one for maybe 5% above floor, but it's 50% more rare than everything else. So it's underpriced relative to its rarity. There's no tool on the market that makes it easy to do that right now. So we're building that tool and we're releasing it for free in about a week or two. And so we're building these three tools for free just to show people that we can build quickly and to kind of build trust with the community. And then the future tools will, will be gated exclusive to the NFT holders and the tools that we develop. We have a long list of ideas, but the community will vote on what we actually build out and make available to them. So what's third? Number three, like how does yes. that come to be? So number three is the profile picture. We have an amazing artist who's working on it. We've put out a couple previews so far. I'm enthusiastic that the, the art itself will, will kind of stand on its own and people will be really excited about the art just on its own. But yeah, I think everyone, the, the entire package, I, I think is pretty compelling. And one thing I haven't mentioned is the iPhone app. So a lot of the Intel that we, we put out there through the Intel aggregation is not going to be super time sensitive. You know that, hey, there's a mint coming up in a week that everyone's really excited about. But sometimes there will be Intel that has to be actionable right now. And for those, we'll, we'll have an app that sends push notifications out and you can configure it to say, hey, I want to monitor these certain things. And the app will, will kind of let you know in real time. This is interesting stuff that you're doing. We have a friend that has gone way deeper down the rabbit hole than most human beings and spends 18 hours a day 
doing this research. I can't wait to tell him about what you're building in the hopes that it gives him time to relax a little bit more <laughs> because there's a huge amount of effort that goes into acquiring this data and distilling it that, that you're helping people with in a very true Silicon Valley way. So that's really interesting how this came about. I'd like to go a little deeper with how the aggregation, the software tools work and how you're going to draw data in the newsletter and in the audio format. It might sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, that's the one that people have given us the strongest feedback on. And I think different people are drawn to it for different reasons. For people who are earlier in their NFT journey, oftentimes it's about saving money. So one F- NFT gives you the alpha of 10 of the top NFTs. For people who are already fairly established, a lot of it's about saving time. They just don't want to be reading through all the discords, even if they already have all of those entities. And then as for the format, it's probably going to be a three to five-ish minute listen every morning, plus an email of a similar length, something like that. That's amazing, man. And so daily audio download, daily, you know, kind of summary newsletter, basically that comes out to these folks. Exactly. Exactly. And then like hot alerts or whatever, if you have the app that lets you know if there's like an immediate, like a buy alert or something like that. In terms of tools that you're offering like now and in the future, have we covered everything or is there any, any sort of details to go into that uh, listeners might be curious about? I think just to go through some of the, the tools that we have on the docket for the future, Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, a whale wallet tracker where you can either specify specific wallets that you want to track, or we will have buckets that you can that we can say you only want to track NFT traders who've made over a certain amount of money, and then when they make a trade, then we notify you. Or you can, we can say you want to follow specific influencers, so you know someone's Twitter handle, they have an NFT as their profile picture, which lets us find their wallet, and you can say, hey, I want to follow these five Twitter influencers, and we notify you when their wallet has activity. We can also, we're also planning on building a breakout notification. So if certain NFTs are breaking out over, they're kind of making a new all-time high, we can send you a notification. And then another one is we can track team token movement. So this is a little bit outside of NFTs, but if, if the CEO of a token project is buying or selling, that's kind of a pretty strong signal. We can identify wallets and, and say, hey, these, these 10 wallets belong to the core team of this project and then kind of track the movements of those wallets. So those are some of the things that we might send notifications for. And again, this is things that we're interested in building and the community will probably have a lot of ideas for what they wish existed, that they don't have the software team to build. And we'll kind of have it all in a pool and people vote on what they want us to build and in what order. I want a uh, Steve Aoki alert. When he buys an NFT, I want to buy it at the same exact moment. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man, he'll be out at our conference. I think by the time this comes out, we'll have that all locked up. If not, we'll uh, we'll be editing that out. But it's all good, man. <laughs> we, he's, we're ninety five percent of the way there, I think. So we're excited about that. You know, we also wanted to learn a little bit more about how DAOs play in. How I think you guys are, are forming a DAO or have that on your roadmap as well. Can we dive in there a little bit deeper? Like, what, how's that going to work? Like many DAOs, it starts off kind of in a centralized way, and then it gets more decentralized over time. And that's kind of how we're envisioning it, where up until now, the company has been driven by the core team. And as we move forward, we want more and more of our decisions to be driven by the community. So we want the ideas for which software tools are being built to come from the community. We want the community to vote on which features we build first. And then even the finances of the company and where we invest in the future we want to also be driven by the community. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll get more and more decentralized over time. But the first place that we're starting is 
working with our community to build the software tools that they really want. And I think kind of a differentiation or a distinction is looking at some of the other tools on the market, like Nansen, IC tools, like they're all very centralized. It's quite top down. And we think that a community-driven development effort is going to create something that the community is more excited about. And also we just move faster. We are, we're able to, to put out these tools at, at a very quick pace. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen across the board, uh, community-driven projects, whether it's a, a DAO or has elements of a DAO, have demonstrated some staying power so far. And we're pretty excited about the future of, of that kind of uh, a structure. It's something that, that we're looking at for our show as well. Oh, awesome. I'll add one more thing, which is, I think with many of these software tools, the business model is you're paying, let's say one to $300 a month to have access to it. And that money just kind of disappears as you spend the money, it's going to the company and they're spending the money and it's gone. As opposed to the model where you buy an NFT. And as long as you're holding the NFT, you have access to the software, but once you're no longer using it, you have an asset that you can now sell. So you've never actually spent any money. I think that's a really interesting model for software tools that hasn't really been fully explored. And we're very excited to be one of the first companies to, to really kind of explore this as a model. Yeah, agreed. That's really cool. I'm glad you elevated that, man. And hey, also look, dude, newsletter stuff, audio stuff. There's some kind of collaboration here in the making with Edge of NFT, man. Oh, we awesome. got, we totally. got, you know, we should definitely talk about that because we always have fun segments, you know, here or there on the show. We got our newsletter, which goes out to our um our growing fan base. And yeah, there's some fun stuff in here. So we should definitely talk about that offline. Great. Let's talk investors, man. Like, what's the world of your investor base look like? And are they also active advisors in the project? And uh, what can you tell us about that? We have some of the top investors in Silicon Valley backing this project. Y Combinator, they were early investors in Airbnb, Dropbox, and Coinbase. We have the founders of Tinder and NerdWallet, the family that owns the Sacramento Kings team, esports team, and stadium. They're all very excited about this project. And, um, so did you join YC with the Mythia idea or was it something else and it morphed into Mythia? Did we get, yeah. How did that work? Yeah. So we joined YC when we were the gaming debit card and then we switched into crypto a little bit after the, yeah, about six months after the, the YC batch. Yeah. It sounds like a really incredible experience. Definitely know a few people who've been through YC, you know, ones who've specifically a podcaster, uh, do you know, Cortland Allen, he runs the Indie Hackers podcast, kind of went in that direction away from VC funding to kind of indie hacking. But yeah, it's, it seems like such a wonderful, a privileged experience to be able to go through that, that yeah. program. How has Web3 thinking infused into the DNA of, of Silicon Valley and some of these investors? What are the types of conversations you're having with these cats? It's only in the last year that people have started thinking about Web3 as... I think people still thought it was a fad until like a year ago. Not everybody, but I think many of the large kind of Silicon Valley firms didn't necessarily see it as the big thing. And I think now the consensus is that this is something very important and something interesting is happening here. And the amount of brain power that's moving into Web3 is crazy. It's like, I think something like 40% of developers who are learning to code are moving into Web3. Some of our investors, they, they've told us that very high percentages of their portfolio are, are pivoting from their Web2 into Web3. My sense in Silicon Valley is that there's a lot of excitement around it. It doesn't feel fragile. Like in 2017, it felt very fragile, like a, like a 30% drop would, would crush, you know, and did, did crush the market. And now it's like, you know, we can drop from 4,500 ETH to 3,000 and people are just like, eh, it's the market, keep going, keep building. And it feels real, if that makes sense. 
let's just not go too far more below 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, you know, to be honest, like it wasn't much of a conversation when that happened. You're right. It, people are really entrenched in, in what's being built right now. And it's exciting. So I'm glad to hear the same perspective as, as they're up north in San Francisco. There's definitely a sense of, I think everyone wants to be in Web3, including the, the traditional investors. It's funny because Web3 valuations are very high. You know, It's not uncommon for a seed stage company without a product and market to be raising at $20, $30 million dollars. Which is quite a bit higher than like a uh, than like a, a traditional seed round. So I think non Web three investors have been trying to catch up and get comfortable with with saying like you have an idea, okay, we'll value it at thirty million dollars. But I think understanding how to value these projects and invest in these projects, I think it's it's happening. And yeah, it's been, it's been really cool being in, in Silicon Valley and kind of watching this those two ecosystems kind of collide. And thus is the status of new technology. I mean, that's been technology throughout history. That's what technology does. It creates extreme value, you know, all of a sudden, especially when you have something that's never been around before or people are just onboarding onto. So it's not a surprise. We all know there's that sense of the sort of dot com, dot com bubble type of situation where there's certainly going to be some winners and losers, but the funding running into it makes a lot of sense for our society. I want to look ahead here say a year or more. Can you think that far ahead? Sure. <laughs> What's the long-term vision of, of the Mythia project or what you're up to? Yeah. So phase one is this NFT launch. And part of that NFT launch is building a community of people who are excited about NFTs and crypto in general and trading people who are kind of looking for an edge in the markets. That's kind of our core market. Once we have this audience and we've built trust with this audience, the second stage is we're planning to launch a decentralized exchange, a DEX, and that'll come in several steps. The first step, the gap that I see in the DEX market is there's a lot of different protocols that do different things. You can borrow and lend, you can trade, you can short, you can leverage, you can liquidity pool. There's a lot of different things you can do. But to do each of those things, you have to go to a different place. You go to DYDX to leverage, you go to Aave to borrow, go to Uniswap to trade. It's a very unnatural workflow. As a trader, you kind of just want to sit there and say, you spot an opportunity and be able to, to, to leverage it, right? So what we're building is DEX that allows you to make any type of trade that DeFi can support in one interface. So we will, will under the hood, we'll swap out the smart contracts so that you know if you click the borrow button, we route it to Aave. If you click the buy button, we route it to Uniswap. So we kind of are routing layer in an aggregation layer on top of all of the other DeFi protocols and then once we have the traffic and the flow of funds, then we build our own smart contracts and liquidity pools on top of that. Long-term, we'll be building a DEX. Short-term, it's a DeFi aggregator. And the core thing that kind of drives all of these together is making trading easier for people who are in crypto, basically. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. It's like a command and control, you know? And, and I definitely appreciate those features in some of the existing sites where you know, I could just look at the price chart or something, but there's also a button that says I can connect my wallet and start trading on, but it's outside of that site, right? Like it's through a different exchange or something like that. I love that idea of pulling all things together. I have one more question before we wrap up with our last couple here, back to the sort of YC example. Yeah, please. I hear that they have a metric that you try to kind of exponentially grow on like a month by month or week by week. Do they still have that? And if that's the case, what is it for you guys right now? Is it is it users? Is it revenue? Where are you at? That is mostly when you're in the YC batch. You uh -huh. you have a metric that you're you're trying to to improve, and there's one number that you need to get better and better. 
for us, when we were going through YC, it was total transaction volume per week because we were a debit card, right? Outside of the YC batch, it's not nearly as much of a pressure cooker kind of environment. It's more like, you know, here's these 20 YC partners that have years and years of experience and we have access to them as well as any other resources that YC has. And it's kind of up to us to tap it when we want to tap it. So it's, it's a very different dynamic once you're outside the batch. They're not as like intense. Cool. Thanks for that info. Appreciate it. We're all influenced by what's around us, other projects, ideas, and whatnot. And curious as to the primary influences on you now, who do you look to for inspiration? The view that I find most inspiring is, I kind of piece this together from a number of different people. I think Naval's podcast with Tim influenced it a lot, but I kind of view Web3 as a new world that's being created. Like the internet is a new world, right? It's kind of disconnected from the physical world. And in a way, I view crypto as a, a different world where people have their own senses of identities, its own metaverse, its own uh, money, right? It's, it's this kind of separate community and world that integrates with Web2 and with the physical world. But I think when people say, you know, Web3 isn't making a difference in the real world, to me, it's a little bit, I view it as a new thing that's being born. And I don't quite know how much it interacts with the other two, but it's like, it's really cool to see what's happening. When you ask me what, what I find inspiring, it's, it feels like I'm watching a child being born in a way. Obviously, it's a, you know, a multi-trillion dollar child, but yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, for sure, right? It's hard when you're in the middle of it, right, to take yourself out of that and put yourself in the shoes of someone that just has no familiarity really with Web3 and feel that same feeling of the surprise or, or inspiration from their view when they actually start to put the pieces together, right? It's hard to go back to that moment, right? But it's a special moment when you start to put those pieces together and realize this is the real world and our real world will incorporate all these things we're doing and talking about and excited about in Web3. It's, they're one and the same. It's already here. It's just some of the pieces haven't quite bridged us to the next level. A lot of hardware, you know, I think is part of that, right? But other things on the software side too. So it's interesting stuff. So in crypto, there's a lot of different properties to, to blockchains that we've only just started to explore, right? It's permissionless, it's censorship resistant, it's decentralized. There's probably, let's say 10 to 20 properties of crypto and blockchain that are different than traditional finance or different than the internet. And as you apply these different properties to different places, when you, you take ownership and you make it decentralized, you get NFTs. When you take finance and you make it permissionless, you get DeFi. And there's a lot of these kind of pairings with traditional world things. And you pair it with one of these blockchain properties and you get a very different thing. And some of the, a lot of them you know, won't be worth... There's been a lot of failed projects and people saying like, hey, let's make Uber on the blockchain. And that didn't work out, right? So there's a lot of these pairings that, that don't make sense. But I think as we discover more of these properties and as we apply them to different things... I find it really interesting to just kind of see, to look at it from a property perspective and to see what emerges as we explore these properties more deeply. Hey, real quick, check this out. For those true fans who pay close attention to Edge of NFT, we're experimenting with some fun new rewards. You can get a free POAP NFT. That's a proof of participation NFT from us by going to our Discord, edgeofnft.com Discord, and reaching engagement level 6 by January 31. Log on now and get started. Go to edgeofnft.com Discord. Jump in, have fun, learn something, and get your free POAP NFT. There's only 50. Also, if you're the first to get one, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. We want to shift gears a little bit and move to segment two. 
Edge Quick Hitters, where we get a, a chance to talk to you a little bit more from a, a personal perspective about some fun questions. Uh, there are 10 questions, looking for short, single, or few word responses to them, but we can expand a little bit if we get the urge. You ready to dive in on these? Great. Let's do it. Awesome. Okay. Question number one, what is Avogadro's number? No, I'm kidding. All right. Let's go. <laughs> what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? It is a United Airlines flight. I was about eight years old and I was flying from Hong Kong to America. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. First airline ticket. I think we've had in almost a hundred episodes. It's pretty cool. Did cool. you mow some lawns? You mow a bunch of lawns to make that flight? Or I'm pretty I'm sure my mom paid for it. Oh, there you go. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Right on. Question number two, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Probably a cell phone. Cell phone sales was my very first job. What brand were you working for? It was a generic store. They sold all, all kinds of brands. Oh, okay. Okay. Question number three, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Signing a lease for a co-living house. We're close to it. We're trying to start a house with about seven, eight people. I currently live with 12 people. So it's like a San Francisco, I uh, live with a bunch of people kind of thing. Yeah. Sounds very San Francisco and awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's nice. a good way to keep rent costs down. Yeah. It's yeah. also just a lot of fun. We right. cook a lot of meals together. How do you manage the fridge though? Are there, how do we manage that? We have two fridges. One is shared food. One is personal food. I wanted you to say you had two fridges, one for everybody and one for that <laughs> one person who has to have their own fridge. They're just that weird. <laughs> nice. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold? I was getting into electronic music production and I bought this thing that has a bunch of pads on it that you use as drums. And then I got into DJing instead and didn't need it in more and they kind of sold that. Yeah, right on. Yeah. There's dude, there's so many classes, especially like during the last couple of years with code and everything. So many cool online classes. I've definitely taken a few, whether it's master class or monthly or all this fun stuff, right? Totally. Very cool. Question number five. What is your most prized possession? I have a electric skateboard that I used to get around San Francisco. And I love it because I you don't need to park it. You can take it inside the building. San Francisco's only seven miles by seven miles. So it's a lot smaller than people think. So it can get you basically anywhere. Awesome. What brand of skateboard do you use? It's a WowGo. WowGo? I don't know. I'm not familiar see, with that one. I could see Josh getting excited about your lifestyle right now and considering a move from LA to San Francisco. I don't hey, know. Hey, let me Is know. what's going on there? <laughs> I don't, I can't see Josh riding this, the electric skateboard though. I don't know, Josh, what do you think? Would you, would you go for that? I'm not so sure guys, but I respect the lifestyle choice, Derek. Thank you. I've been rocking a one wheel for about seven years now. So uh, I can relate, man. I can relate. Awesome. Question number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? What do you got your eye on? It's not quite currently for sale, but I'd like to get outer space at some point. There it is. Awesome. That's within reach for sure. Keep doing what you're doing, right? Bezos will be floating around up there. I mean, it's not like the go-to answer, but we've got enough of those that we have to start asking where in space people want to go. Because, you know, space is big. You got to pick a place. I mean, if Elon (laughs) hits his his roadmap, then I'd love to hang out on Mars for a couple months and come back. And and maybe Ethan selling tickets to space, right? (laughs) The demand is there. Question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I think it's some mix of curiosity, tinkering, and just you don't need permission to build anything. You can learn to 
build a robot dog or a rocket or code or, or whatever. And I don't think you need anyone to teach you now that there's YouTube and medium and whatever. So just find what you find is interesting and do it. It's an amazing thing that's come about here in recent years, right? That really makes that the case more so than ever in history. It's amazing. Question number eight, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Maybe being more humble would be good. It's like, do I want to be more humble or not? <laughs> I was going to say that's probably something that's somebody who's already humble enough would say, right? You, you probably should pick something else. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, all good. But that's no, the self-awareness is good and it's good to reflect on it, right? I, so, so I'd actually read the question differently the first time. And then I was just like, oh, I thought it was like eliminate a personality trait from the next generation in general. And then I was like, oh, it's one of my personality traits. So uh, anyway, yeah. It's all good, but, but be, be humble, rein that ego in a little bit here or there. I got it. Okay. A little easier. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was writing some code for the cheap un underpriced rares feature. Oh yeah. Excited about that one. Cool. And last one, question 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I will probably have some coffee and go back to writing code. <laughs> right on. Are you a, a morning guy or are you a late night guy? I tend to work like eight to six-ish. So a lot of it's because we have developers overseas as well. Yeah. And if I had nobody else, my schedule would probably be like a sleeping 4 a.m. to noon kind of thing. But uh -huh. uh, given our, our team and calls and so on, it's, yeah, it's a pretty normal schedule. One of the, the things about yeah working globally, right? You got to find that rhythm. We're doing a lot right now with... Uh, the Anamoka Brands team out in Hong Kong. And so finding that across time zones in the US, because we're all in different time zones, has been a little bit of a, a, a tricky, a tricky thing. But we we've made it work. So we get it. Well, that's great. Well, thanks so much. That's Edge Quick Hitters. Thanks for sharing with us there. And I think that's actually a wrap on the core part of our episode today. But we want to give you a chance to share with our listeners where they can learn more about you and all the amazing things you're doing with Mythia. Where can they do that? Yeah. So we're at mythia.com, M-Y-T-H-I-A.com or on Twitter, twitter.com slash mythia. And yeah, our NFT comes out sometime in February, 2022. And we have a bunch of tools that are two tools available for free now. And then hopefully by the time this comes out, the third one will be ready. That's at tools.mythia.com. Awesome. And I heard we got a giveaway here as well. Derek, you want to share with us what you got in store for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So we're giving away one of the NFTs to your listener base and I don't actually know how this part works. So. It's okay. Uh, what we'll do is we will actually share on our socials, the details we'll put together, a set of requirements to enter the giveaway. We'll share that on our socials and we'll have a chance at winning this uh, amazing Mythia NFT with all the fun stuff we've been talking about this last hour. So keep an eye out for that. Great. Okay. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We're unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drops. Spirit Seeds leading to the Living Tree NFTs, which light the way to our event, NFTLA, a one-of-a-kind, immersive, and unforgettable experience at LA Live in Los Angeles, March 28th to March 30th, 2022. Check it out at nftla.live and move quick because early bird tickets are selling out fast. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. 
Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective with deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.